It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for helping us out by sharing these episodes and the feedback and comments we get, the guest suggestions or topic suggestions are super helpful. Thank you for that. Today on the show, Norm Blumenthal. Norm Blumenthal, an attorney for workers and consumers, selected as one of the top attorneys in Southern California. In 2017, Norm was also inducted and recognized as one of America's most trusted lawyers in employment law. Norm Blumenthal, welcome back. Nice to be back, Bert. Um, Today, I want to talk about kind of like um, you know, if we had a magic wand, what could we uh, change? And uh, the, f- the first thing I wanted to talk about is the need uh, to get our budget in order in uh, in this country. And I know that that's um, not normally something that I talk about because I'm, I am ever vigilant and to protect labor. But uh, I'll give you a little story of why of what concern I have. Um, and and why. Back in the 1940s, um, Argentina was the uh, country with a balanced budget. It was on the gold standard. It was uh, recognized around the world as a, a, a place where you could safely put your money and uh, keep it, and there wouldn't be a problem. Then the uh, Peron uh, Peron came in with the Peronistas, and they started to uh, take it off the gold standard and start spending money freely where they ended up going into debt. And then inflation hit. And inflation, as we know, and as everyone explains to us, this is the uh, thing that is most dangerous in this country, in inflation. I went to visit, I have relatives in Argentina, and in the 60s, um, I went there for a visit, and inflation was a thousand percent. And people, you couldn't put. There's no reason to put your money in the bank. People kept it under their mattress. If you had uh, cash, you kept it in foreign currencies, and uh, there was just no government services because they, there was no money. There was like half finished bridges, half finished roadways, and it's really deteriorated with the fact that it was a rich country and had uh, great exports um, of grain and, and uh, beef and, and all these things they could never get back into a position because literally the uh, Peronistas were just, you know, handing out money on the, on the street. And so that's, I always uh, live with those memories and uh, it's something that, we're headed to unless we come to grip with our our budget and our our problem with our budget is is to start off with is the amount we spend on our military there's according to what you read is there's uh, substantial savings just from ending fraud and abuse in military spending we are the the next i think it's 7 to 9 countries we spend more than those countries combined, and that's including uh, China and Russia 
and England and France and, and all the other uh, powers in, in, in the world. So clearly the ability to, to cut the, uh, military spending is something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, if I had a magic wand, that's the first thing I would do is to get the, the budget in order is to uh, cut spending to the military. And the irony of, of that statement is is the, this budget that was uh, the debt ceiling increase that was just passed, when they passed it, the one thing they wouldn't touch is, is the military. So that's that's step one to uh, um, w- what you have to do to, to get get it working, get this country, you know, back on a, on a footing where you can balance the budget. Uh, and really, the and, and you know what, I, I want to interject this. I want to interject this real quick. Speaking of the military budget, uh, the military budget is unfortunately rife with with over. Of spending. Uh, I mean, the, I, I remember this, uh, and I, I think it was 2020 that did this report, and this report's probably 20 years old now, but they were talking about, they were showing how the military gets overcharged. Not only does it get overcharged, but it overpays for simple things like pliers and tools and and, and, and just, just day, very mundane daily stuff that nobody would pay that kind of money for. They're paying, again, I think it was like $300 for a pair of just regular pliers, not some kind of fancy schmancy plier, but just regular home drum pliers. They're paying 300 bucks. You know, those things cost whatever, two or $3 at the hardware store. So you could literally go through the budget and just by them paying the usual and customary amount for these items would automatically reduce the budget. Yeah, you you have to have. I mean, everybody's talked about having a, a, a balanced budget. I think one of the things was you know a five hundred dollar toilet seat. I remember reading the, yes. uh, the, the news clippings on that at the military. So and and the sacred cow is the military, and uh, unfortunately, as a result, there's all this ridiculous uh, spending that uh needs to be cut. So that that's the first place you 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 start with uh trying to get uh this country back in order and and they're bringing down inflation now but that at some point in time when you continue to have uh a budget uh, uh deficits it's going to catch up with you at some point and and that's that's the first place to start and and to, to get everything in order. The um also, we spend a tremendous amount of money on prescription drugs that uh, we don't need to bring. We can bring those prices down and save a tremendous amount of money uh, in, in Medicare uh, and Medicaid that we're, that we're paying for, for drugs. And, you know, that that's where you have to look for things that you can do without, you know, hurting anybody. And that's that's what you want to, you know, what you want to come up with uh, in, in getting it started. Uh, so you you start there, and then you know the um, idea of social security. Everybody's concerned about social security. You can see in France when they raise the uh, minimum age for uh, for their uh, social security there, um, there were riots in the street. But I I think it's something that we need to do 
in this country um, is people under 50. Take the age up, um, you know, a few notches, a few years, um, so their expectation for collecting Social Security. People are living longer, fortunately, and uh, have good medical care, uh, thanks to Obamacare and, uh, so- and Social Security and Medi- Medicare and Medicaid. So given all of that, the ability to collect it needs to move up um, to you know a, a higher level, and that will, uh, in and of itself, balance it. And along with that, uh, people, there's a cutoff for when you stop paying into Social Security at a certain wage level. That needs to uh, go up. So there's there's more money in Social Security to to uh, have for services because if someone's making uh, you know two, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand a year. They can afford to pay a little bit more into Social Security um, for the good of of, uh, of everyone. So that's that's an, another important uh, step we need to take if we had a magic wand. Yeah, and I would add also uh, the flip side of that is um, I'm a little confused, shocked, astonished uh, that you know the the Congress has set up several things. Uh, individual retirement account, the IRA, the Roth IRA, which is, in my opinion, better. But as citizens, uh, as, you know, we are prohibited. Uh, in, other, in other words, you can only save so much. So if you have uh, an IRA and then you also have a, a Roth IRA, I think depending on your age, you can save six or seven thousand dollars a year, whatever the limit is. For each one, um, and of course, if you have a spouse, then that spouse can save the same. But my point being is that I think it's to me it shocks me that that our government says, "Hey, you can only save so much money." Now, again, you're not prohibited from investing those funds in the stock, you know, the excess funds, for lack of better terms, in the stock market or other investments. But it just bothers me that you have these retirement accounts that, again, if I had a magic wand, I would raise the limits on those things. They need to be much higher, and 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 really, we need to get more people saving money besides having their access to Medicare, Medicaid, and 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 the other stuff. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point and uh, one that uh, should be looked into. I know that. Uh, you know, people that work in my office, they, they'd like to put more in because uh, it grows without uh, being taxed first or with a Roth. You pay taxes but you don't, uh, in the beginning but you, at a lower rate, but you don't pay taxes on, on the profits when it comes out. So either way, right. the government uh, is going to tax you. But the, the idea of having these limits is, is anathema that, Anything that you'd want to have in an incentive uh, capitalist society, you want people to save more. You want to encourage them to put their money into retirement accounts. And I agree with you that this is something. If you know, if we had a magic wand, we'd certainly want to do that. You put that at the top of the list, and along with that, you want to increase corporate taxes. Uh, taxes at the corporate level are not the same as taxes at the individual level. Taxes at the corporate level 
are are paid before anything. It's not after the fact. You get your deductions for your taxes paid at the corporate level. And so the the, the fact is it's not as, as burdensome as taxes at the individual level where you pay it as, on the last dollar that comes out. So there, to be realistic, that those taxes need to be raised. And, and the, the idea being is that without cutting uh, services for uh, for children and and food and the things you know the social services that we have all these programs food stamps we can't cut those this is at the lowest level possible you have to have a safety net for for your citizens and so it as much as it may disturb people that we are giving away uh food and shelter to uh, people. Just think about the fact that that, that is that's really a very small amount of of money, and you know you should be thankful for the fact that you don't need it. But there are people that need these to to survive, and and with that, you can't abolish these child labor laws. I mean, this is really really frightening across the country because of, of the tightening of immigration laws. Now they are um, looking to children, 14 to uh, 16, to work in factories and um, slaughterhouses on the night shift to clean up. And basically, you know, you can't go to school and work 12 to to 6, 12 being, you know, midnight to 6 in the morning. You, You can't do it. And so we, the neglect of these children will, we, will, will haunt us for a long time, and we need to stop it at, at the federal level with some form of uh, child labor law protection that you cannot have a person um, working these, these late shifts. Um, you can have after-school shifts, and you can have um, weekends, uh, but you can't have these late shifts or all-day shifts during uh, the, the uh, school day. These kids need to be in school. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, uh, you know, the, the, what do you call it, um, back to what you were talking about as far as the corporate um, taxation, I want to add to that the corporate welfare, the I think the top wealthiest corporations, and I could be wrong, maybe it's only seven or eight, but a large majority of the top wealthiest corporations get billions of dollars in subsidies. The sugar industry, the dairy industry, the meat industry, even the oil industry, these guys are getting massive subsidies. And they're very wealthy. They're very powerful, they're very, which is why they get these subsidies, because of their power. Uh, and, and, and again, if you want to, if you're serious about balancing a budget, there's billions of dollars there. These corporations don't need them. They're not hiring more people because they're getting these subsidies. They're not doing anything with this money other than putting it in their coffers. Which again, if it was my company getting millions of dollars in subsidies, I I wouldn't object to that either. But there's a huge honeypot right there that can that can really solve some problems. 
Yeah, it's called free cash flow on uh, the corporate balance sheet. They look at it and, and they have it there. And you're 100% right. Like for the oil industry, they get an oil depletion allowance uh, for their drilling. You know, take away the oil depletion allowance. Um, and right. you know, all these industries, the subsidies, you, you, the farmers get all of these subsidies for not planting. You know, we're going to pay you not to plant uh, a certain product, and they let the uh, fields grow fallow, which is is where where they are. But they they still get paid for for not growing. So there's a lot of right. of sub, subsidies in there, and I'm sure there's some rationale for it. But uh, at some point in time, when you're running, you have a uh, 31 trillion dollar deficit. Uh, these need need to be addressed. Uh, and and brought into line, you know the the worst thing you have is is a hungry child not in school and working. I mean that is 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 a horrible situation. And the the fix to it's pretty easy, and we've talked about it before. Is work permits. I mean the bottom line is is that you don't need to have a someone who comes to this country and wants to work. You don't need to give him a path to citizenship. You need to give him a work permit. And as long as he's working and people need him to work and the employer manages that, and that the employer certainly will because uh, he, he's the one that's giving him the work permit and he can tell them when they expire, they, they have to go back or find another job. But in all events, you want to give these jobs to people that are one capable of doing it, and two are not children. Um, and right. so, it, and and in doing that, the, you know, the key most important thing is is to raise the minimum wage. I mean, with the, the idea that the minimum wage in this country is seven dollars and and, uh, and twenty cents, or seven dollars and forty cents, one of those in the seven dollar range is crazy. You can't live on that. You know, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars a year. It's you, you can't live on it, and so at a minimum, they need to raise the minimum wage in, at the federal level to at least fifteen dollars an hour, and, and and tag and tag it into the cost of living increase. And so that is, you know, if I had a magic wand, that would be on top of my priority along with, uh, you know, no child left behind, the idea that all children should be in school and should be fed and should have the ability to learn and prosper and be, and become, you know, the, the kind of citizens that we need and not to have them doing work that uh, is backbreaking where we have at the border an unlimited uh, supply of, of workers that will be happy to take those jobs and should be paid a living wage at $15. Right. And you know what? And, and, and I like that. I, I think that when you look at uh, America, when it made the shift from an industrial, uh, industrial type country, and it started to innovate and, and really start, uh, jumping, leap, I'm just making leaps and bounds in innovation. Uh, it didn't come from, you know, the the, the industrial uh, working class stiff, if you will. It came because America started uh, 
promoting education. It came because uh, government stepped in, because at one point in our country, children, back to labor laws, as you were talking about, children, in some cases, were chained to machines and weren't allowed, you know, and, and, and were expected to work, I think, a 10 or 12-hour shift. Some of these machines were not very safe. Bottom line is government came in and said, you know what, these kids are better off in school and you're going to have to step up your game talking to the business owners and just hire adults who can do this job and you'll have to pay them a livable wage. Those kids, because they got the chance to go to school and go to college, are the ones that innovated and, and, and placed our, you know, and, and, and made all these changes. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, the frightening thing for me is that prior to the New Deal coming in, um, starting with uh, President Roosevelt, um, we had these child um, child labor was was fine. And uh, they, they, they tried to pass at the beginning of the New Deal, they tried to pass, you know, so, Social Security laws and um, other benefits but the supreme court at that time it was as conservative then as it is now and only with the threat by uh, president roosevelt to pack the court and take it to 15 did they change their tune and approve the new deal legislation well rumor has it with this super majority of conservatives back in in the supreme court that uh, there's going to be another run at uh, testing the um, constitutionality of uh, the New Deal, Social Security, child labor laws, and everything else on the books, that the, the, the concept being at the time prior to the New Deal was that uh, the government, federal government, had no authority um, in the Constitution to implement these laws, as frightening as that may seem today. But uh, that's, you know, people are talking about this again, because of this new uh, supermajority in the Supreme Court. So if I had a magic wand, I'd like to see the court more balanced and uh, hopefully will remain sober as to its uh, allowance for these laws. Right. Yeah, you know what? And it's funny, uh, you mentioned the Supreme Court, which I think the Supreme Court for as long as I've known them, have been so revered. And, you know, not to go down that rabbit hole, but now we have the, at least the appearance of impropriety. And, and, and it's not good. And it's not good because the justices are like, um, I guess they're not showing any kind of remorse. Their attitude is, yeah, this is who we are. This is what we do. And, and, I think that again, magic wand. Let's go back. Let's go back, uh, or, or let's just as we move forward, let's just have the justices uh, really have that 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 uh, we call it uh, the the really live up to that whole thing of 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 avoiding even the appearance of impropriety, right? And 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 staying away from donors and staying away from anything that uh that might make them susceptible to not being an impartial trier of the facts. Yeah, and and you know, the the idea is to do no harm. I mean, we, that's what yes. the Supreme Court was there 
for it and it had been for the last 50 years and now it's overturning everything there was the the concept of uh you couldn't have you know coming out of the first world war you you couldn't have a uh, automatic weapon because you can't couldn't have that on the street because of the firepower it was a military weapon and that was upheld i mean that concept was in, in we had uh, even a ban on uh, assault weapons in the 1990s, uh, which had a, a sunset clause in it. But now, um, you know, the the concept of banning these AR-15s, um, this is not in this in this Supreme Court's uh, thinking. They want everybody armed with whatever arms they can have without a background check, without any type of, of, of protection. They're eliminating all the protections that society has from people that shouldn't be having weapons and clearly the public who shouldn't be having uh, military weapons. Uh, it's it's not fair to the police. It's not fair to our military. They puts everybody in danger when uh, people who are mentally unstable or politically um, bent on uh, on using violence have in their control uh, military-style weapons. That's just one example. You know, the other one is a woman's right to choose. Fifty years, yeah. it's been in effect in, in the Constitution, overturned by this court. You know, the and all. So all of the the, the concepts that we've we're learned to we learned to live with over the last fifty years are being reversed. And so when I tell you that. Social Security and Medicare and all the other benefits that are supplied to the federal government are in danger by this court. I'm not saying it because there's no basis for it. And so I, I think if we had this magic wand, we'd, we'd go back um, to, the, to the civility that was in with the decisions of the Supreme Court that uh, did not exist prior to the three appointments of the uh of the by uh Trump which were, made the difference all the difference in the world and the way this court is thinking so it's really pretty frightening and uh I don't think we should you know, believe that um that it can happen with this court this court is extremely extremely radical as to what they've done and what they're capable of doing so again, yeah, I, I, I take my magic wand and turn it back a few years to where there were, the court actually con was concerned about the citizens and not about uh, some words on a piece of paper. And uh, they had a little empathy for what they're doing to our country. And it's it's a horrible thing they're doing. I mean, everybody has an assault weapon. Women can't have to go back to... Uh, you know, abortion clinics that are not uh, um, legal and, and out of state, and they're chasing them, and it's a horrible thing. And yes, uh, it this, is. this is just was created by a, a group of uh, radicals at our Supreme Court level who have no empathy whatsoever for what they're doing to, to, to the people of this country. Right, and, and, you know, the flip side of that, is you have a group of people and look I don't think I don't think any woman and, and I don't know any but I don't think any woman would would 
nonchalantly say, hey, I need to have an abortion, right? I mean, this is something that they know what they're doing. It, it is a very uh, serious matter. It's very humbling. It's, it, and it's, it, it's something that has to be between the woman and her beliefs, her God, whatever. Uh, so I, I don't think it's taken lightly. And, and, and these people make it sound like women just take it so lightly and, 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 and I just don't find it to be true. The other side of that is if you're not going to allow women to have abortions, then you should at least set up a system where the children can be adopted. It's easier for you and I, Norm, to go to China, to go to uh, overseas uh, and adopt a child than it is for us to adopt a child here at home. And, and, well, and that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and uh, but at at the beginning of the process, you're you're still creating this child. It's you know where there's, where there's attachment to it from a mother who didn't want to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I I think the idea that men should be involved in this decision making process in any court, they that should be struck. I mean, the idea yep. is is that they they just are not qualified to judge um, women on the basis of what their needs are um, when it has nothing to do with men. And, and so I'm, I'm appalled by all of it. Um, I think it's, you know, just an example, this and, and the gun laws and uh, an example of, of how people with no concept of what they're doing to the, the ordinary citizens and the people in their everyday life by reason of their, stupid adherence to uh, words on a piece of paper when the idea that uh, what's on the piece of paper can change all the time. And uh, it's it's just a situation where, um, unfortunately, we're we're stuck with it, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better with this uh, crazy radical court. I agree. I agree. I I wholeheartedly... uh, support you on that. I think that it's, it is, uh, uh, we call it crazy that, that, as you said, uh, a man is going to know something that a woman's not going to know about her body. I just think it's crazy. And, and uh, I, I don't know, I just, could, if I would have come to you and said, "Hey, Norm, we're going to re- we're going to be completely reversing Road versus Wade," and if I would have told you that a few years ago, you would have laughed at me. Bert, that's already been settled. That's law. Yeah, and and the the irony of it is is that these judges they lied to the senators before they were uh, got confirmed. They promised these senators that no, the Roe versus Wade is precedent. It's stare decisis. We're not going to overturn this. And instead, they went in and, and did the opposite. They should be ashamed of themselves. They should resign from the court because they're hypocrites, and they lied to the senators in their um, the process of confirmation. And they shouldn't shouldn't be in, on the court because that's how they got yeah. there. Well, and and take it one step further. They're still lying to the people yeah. and to Congress. 
So if I had my magic wand, I, I would ask them to resign, and they'd accept the, the idea that they should resign for being uh, fraudulent in their uh, uh, confirmation process. Absolutely. Norm, we're out of time. I love your magic wand. I would love to uh, – <laughs> I think we should do a second magic wand. <laughs> what if series are, are all the rage now, so I, I, I think it's an awesome idea. And, and you know what? Here's the deal. We don't necessarily have a magic wand, but we do have the power to vote people in and out of the office. And I think we need to uh, take that a little bit more seriously because that is a wonderful tool that we have that a lot of people don't. Yeah, and we're going to, you know, we get closer to these elections. We'll be, you know, honing in on the concept of who we who we need to vote for. Um, because, it, you know, the idea that uh, I think there is a, an, a concept, an idea that's in between the extremes of both Republicans and Democrats that, that we need to look at because, you know, the, the Democrats, they want to spend money freely that we don't have, and the Republicans, uh, they want to cut uh, programs that we absolutely need. So we need to find that middle ground, um, and I, I think that's what we're going to be looking for in the next election. Absolutely. Norm, thank you so much for stopping by. All right, Bert. All, all the best. Good stuff there from Norm Blumenthal. Norm Blumenthal is a lawyer. He represents working-class people and consumers <clears throat> selected as one of uh, top attorneys in Southern California as well. Uh, you can reach out to Norm if you have uh, questions or if you don't like what he said, BAM Law CA. That's BAM, B-A-M, Law CA.com. Reach out to him. He'll be glad to help you. Friends, do us a favor, please. Let's get this word out. Let's share this episode with everyone we know. What if we could change our world? What if we got out there and voted? What if we got out there and really participated in the system? I know we're all busy. We're crazy busy, and you're thinking, oh, man, this sounds like a lot of work. It's not a lot of work. You send an email to your Congress, your representative. You vote. It, you know, it's not going to take you a lot of time. Bottom line is you were created. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch, and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.